Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach here at First Baptist, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing well. I just celebrated a birthday. I yeah. am 42 years old, which nice. used to be ancient, but is no longer ancient, at least in my estimation. Um, but I wanted to tell you, my wife took a cue from your wife, Taylor, and so I had a birthday peach cobbler, nice. and it was so good. And I went home talking about, you know, oh, Taylor got Jordan a, a blackberry cobbler, and um, so she she took notes. And I also had some Sam's Club cupcakes, and I don't know if you guys, and I'm talking to Elliot too, but Sam's Club cupcakes are some of the best things in the world. Yeah. So uh, Stacy Forsyth, who's a member of our church, um, her husband and I, Les, uh, coach a basketball team together. And Les was out. So Stacy and I were coaching the team together. And at the end of practice, she brings this tray of 30 Sam's Club cupcakes. And it was just the greatest thing. So um, it's been a good weekend. Wow. Yeah. I, I had a great weekend too. One of my best friends, Cody Snazel, just got married and yeah. I was at his wedding. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was a really fun time. That's yeah. cool. You know, talking about weddings and you, your wedding is the most unique wedding I've ever been a part of because it was in the middle of COVID. Yeah. We could have 10 people there. It, it was two months into COVID. It, yeah, yeah, it was it was early into COVID. Yeah. And so we were there at your family farm. There were 10 of us there, yeah. but you had Zoomed in people from all over the world. It was amazing. It was very windy that day, Yeah, but what a beautiful wedding. And so that's cool. You got to make somebody else's wedding beautiful. That was wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're rounding out James today. This is our final podcast in James. We're looking at James 5, 13 through 17. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins." Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there, and you kind of unpack some of it during your sermon. Uh, right at the start, you said, salvation is not the goal of Christianity. Maturity is. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so as we think about what it means to trust and follow Jesus, so often we focus on salvation, and that's vital, that if you don't come to Christ, you are still in your sin, and you have to pay for your sin, and you die and go to hell. That is awful. That is terrible. And we want all people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But, but I think sometimes we can be guilty of viewing salvation as a finish line. And it's not at all. Rather, it's the starting line. And so if you picture a track race and you've got all the runners lined up in the blocks and they're getting ready to start, well, their hands are very strategically placed behind the starting line. And when the, the, the signal is given and they take off, 
They don't just take one step to get across the starting line. But that's, for so many people, what we view Christianity to be. Well, I'm saved. Now I'm just going to live until I die and go to heaven. That's not at all what the New Testament teaches. It's not at all what God teaches. No, once we cross that starting line of putting our faith in Jesus Christ, now we've got a whole race before us. So we think about what the Apostle Paul said nearing the end of his race. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so through it all, he kept the faith as he ran his race. The writer of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That, that, that again, we're on this journey, and the way that we grow is by fixing our eyes on Jesus, persevering through life. So all throughout the New Testament, there are these passages that talk about maturity being the goal. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul writes, Him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Then again in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And then again in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So again, several times in the New Testament, God tells us that we are to grow up into maturity. And I think James very straightforwardly gives us some some very helpful and practical ways in which we can do that. Yeah. And as soon as you said it, I started thinking about marriage in general. The point is not to have a wedding and get married. The point is to have a, a good marriage, right? The wedding is just kind of like that starting line. And then marriage is moving forward, not just staying where you are in a honeymoon bliss. Well, and that that's very well said. And you've been married a couple of years now. You and Taylor have changed. Your family has changed. You now have an Isaac. Yeah. And that changes everything. Yeah. And so now you and Taylor are not just husband and wife. You're dad and mom. And you grow and you change and you adapt. And, and it's a journey. Um, and then, you know, prayerfully at your 50th or 60th or 70th wedding anniversary reception, you will not just go back and say, what a wedding we had. Yeah. No, you will say, what a life we built together with God's help. And same idea with our faith. We don't stop at the start. Amen. So you ended this James series with Jude, uh, from Jude 1, 20 through 23. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
So why did you end the study on James with this quote from Jude? Well, a couple of reasons. One, I love the quote, but secondly, I thought it was kind of neat that this is this is another brother that grew up in the house of Mary and Joseph. Um, but I thought what we had in this passage from Jude really summarizes what James is seeking. You know, he ends his letter, James ends his letter by talking about if anyone wanders from the faith, bring them back. Um, so you have this dual focus. You have this inward focus in James that says, this is what it means to live out your faith. This is how you do that. Um, here are very practical ways in which you can live out your faith. And here are very practical ways in which you can stumble along the way, avoid these things. But then care for others as well. In this quote from Jude, you kind of had both of those. You kind of had the stern admonition to keep yourself focused on Jesus, keep yourself running the race to which God's called you, but then also look around and invite others to come. And sometimes that invitation is going to take the form of having mercy on those who doubt. Sometimes that invitation is going to be as if I were snatching someone out of the fire. Uh, sometimes that invitation will be to show mercy, even with fear, and hating the garment stained by the flesh. And so I think about one of our most beautiful communities here at First Baptist Church is our Celebrate Recovery community. And what's amazing is the realness that is pervasive in that room, um, because you'll have people there who have been sober for a long time, and you'll have people who had been sober for a long time, who had stumbled and who had used again, or whatever the case may be. And they're very honest with one another. It's, why did you do that? Do you want to die? Why would you die? Sort of a thing. But alongside that, that almost brutal honesty is a brutal love. Like this, this, this amazing love. Say, welcome home, welcome back, and and we give out tokens. And um, one of the tokens that we give out is that I'm just starting out, and I've been in there so many times when people have come back after they've fallen off the wagon, and they've gotten the I'm starting out token again. And you know what everybody does? They cheer for them, they hug them, they embrace them, they say to them, welcome home, and it's the most beautiful thing. And that's. That's what God's church is supposed to be. God's church is supposed to be a place where all of us are working together to become more like Jesus. And when we stumble, it's not that we overlook the fact that we stumbled. You know, we're honest about our sin, but then we welcome each other home and we do so with love and enthusiasm, saying, you know what? Sin tried to get you and you you had a moment of weakness, but you've come home. Jeff, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a great example of people who are just starting on the road to recovery, on the road to discipleship with Jesus, and then some people are rejoining the path and getting back on the road with Jesus. Uh, what would you say to someone who has stumbled and is struggling right now but wants to get back on the path? Come home. Come home. Um. I realize that we came through COVID and, and everything's different, you know, but um, the world has come back to life. And I would encourage you, uh, if you can get to First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, come on, but find a community of faith with human beings, brothers and sisters in Christ, with which you can grow. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews not to neglect gathering together, but as we gather, we stir one another toward love and good works. And it's just so important to have that faith family uh, they're rooted in Jesus Christ. And so um, I would say come home, 
There's, there's a big difference between Peter and Judas surrounding the cross. Mm. Both of them failed. Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, and he regretted it. And he tried to take the money back, and they wouldn't even take the money back. And he was in utter despair, and so what did he do? Though he tried to fix the problem himself, he was unsuccessful, so he took his life. Likewise, Peter failed. Peter, who thought he would stand so firmly for Jesus, ended up denying him three times, even calling down curses on himself, essentially likely saying, may I be accursed if I know this Jesus? Well, he wept bitterly when he realized what he had done. What did he do? We don't have a play-by-play analysis of what he did next, but we know that when Mary Magdalene went to find the disciples on Sunday morning, Peter was with them. So what did Peter do? He came home to the community of Christ. Did he fail? Miserably. Did he weep? Bitterly. But he came home, and he found healing. And God used Peter in amazing ways um, to proclaim Jesus at Pentecost, to, to help start the church along with the other apostles. And the vast difference in that moment of failure, Judas tried to fix it himself, couldn't, and ended up in utter despair. Peter returned to the community of Christ, and he found life. And I would say, come home. So what's your biggest takeaway from this study in the book of James? I think James is very clear that our faith has to be more than merely theoretical, that our faith has to be more than merely theological, that our faith has to be the foundation upon which we build our lives. Um, it has to be the, the bedrock of our identity, the bedrock of our decisions, the bedrock of our relationships, the bedrock of our vocation, literally the bedrock of everything, that we should be the kind of people who, who not only sing but mean on Christ the solid rock I stand because we've come to realize that all other ground really is sinking sand. And so whenever I officiate a funeral, if I am able, my favorite thing to say is that for this person, their faith was not something that they did on Sunday mornings. Their faith was not something that they read about in a devotional book. Their faith was not something to which they turned only when things were going poorly in their life, but their faith was truly the very essence of who they were. And because their faith was the essence of who they were, the reality of their relationship with Jesus is the essence of who they are now. And so I I think that James calls us to be a people who live out the faith once for all delivered to the saints in a way that is not only transformative for us personally, but that is transformative for those around us as well. Yeah. I think my point is something similar and ties back into what we were talking about earlier. This is not a question of a starting line, but a question of a race. We're in this to win it. We're in this to continue in discipleship, which means growing, maturing, learning, recovering from stumbles, and coming closer and closer to Jesus as we go through things. That's awesome. That's awesome. I agree. So today's listener question ties into some of these things. Listeners, if you have a question, you can go to the link in the show notes or just comment on this post. So the question is really simple. Should I be rebaptized? And I think what they're getting at is, under what conditions would you suggest someone consider being baptized again? Sure. Well, I think that that is a a very important question, and I was just asked this question by someone who tunes into our WBKO broadcast this past week. Um, It's an important question. So first, let me define baptism. 
And we're Baptists. We're the first Baptist church. And so as Baptists, we have very specific views about what we believe the Bible teaches about baptism, that baptism is one by immersion, immersion of the full body uh, in water. Um, the reason we believe that is because in Greek, the word baptizo means to plunge, to dip, or to immerse. Uh, nowhere in it can you get sprinkle or pour. So the reason that Baptists baptize by immersing people in water is simply because that's what the word means. And the Bible translators transliterated that word instead of translating it. What does that mean? They took the Greek letter and they made it, uh, in our case, an English letter. So the beta became a B, the alpha became an A, the pi became a P, and on down the line. Um, but had they just translated the word baptizo, every time it says baptize in your New Testament would just be the word immerse. So that's why we immerse. So if you're like me and your first baptism experience, and I'm using air quotes that no one can see, um, was being sprinkled with water, then I would say yes, uh, just like me. I would um, take that step of being immersed in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because to me, that's a, that's a, a better um, obedience to what the Word of God calls us to. Secondly, um, different denominations within the realm of Christianity look at baptism differently. Some look at baptism as a removal of the stain of original sin. We do not. Some look at baptism as a marking of welcoming someone into the family of God, uh, similar to circumcision in the Old Testament. We don't view it that way as well. Um, the weight of the New Testament evidence is that only those who were baptized were those who had placed explicit faith in Jesus Christ. So that means that there were no babies being baptized because babies can't place explicit faith in Jesus Christ. Um, that the, the people that were baptized were the ones who heard the gospel, understood the gospel, responded to the gospel in repentance and faith to trust and follow Jesus. And so I would say if you're like me and your baptism, your, your, your first baptism experience was a sprinkling or happened before you could cognitively understand the gospel, and repent of your sin according to your volition, um, that I would, I would definitely be rebaptized just as I was. And here's the thing, you know, that first sprinkling experience that I had was made by my parents. That decision was made by my parents, and they, they made that decision because they loved me. So I, I no way devalue or dishonor that experience. Um, but again, when I stand before God, my parents aren't going to stand in my place. And I'm not going to express my parents' faith. I'm going to express my faith. And so that's what's going to be called into question. So again, with my baptism, I want to profess my faith according to my decision to profess my faith uh, in Jesus Christ as Lord. He said, well, what if I was a kid, I was, you know, at some point in my life, um, and I got immersed after having had a salvation experience but it's been a long time ago, and I feel like I need to be rebaptized. Well, the reminder I would give is this. Number one, the key issue of faith is faith, not an outward act. So baptism doesn't save us. That water does not wash our sin away. Our sin is washed away by the blood of Jesus. So we place our faith in Jesus. And if somebody comes to me doubting their salvation, 
I'm not going to to end the conversation by saying, well, tell me about when you received Christ and did you really mean it when you prayed that prayer? We'll talk about when they received Christ, but we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to ask a very simple question. What is your hope of heaven? And there's one answer (laughs) and only one answer. It is Jesus. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again for me. I have placed my faith in Jesus. And if God were to ask me, why should I let you into heaven? Jesus, my faith is in Christ alone for my salvation. Um, In the event that you didn't have a clue what was going on or you, you, you made some sort of profession of faith, and then over the next decades of your life, you lived completely apart from Christ as if nothing had happened. Maybe you were trying to get your heaven passport stamped and you thought you were good and you live as you would. You know, I had one individual who had had something very hard happen in life, and they had turned against the church, and they had turned against God for decades. And then they came home to Jesus, and they said, I really feel like God is calling me to profess my faith by baptism because, yes, I had a moment years ago, but I have lived as though Christ were were no part of my life for, for a long time. Um, I absolutely affirmed that that God would be calling them to profess their faith. When do I tell people no? Well, sometimes we feel like I need that cleansing of washing yet again. Um, In other words, I, I received Christ, I was baptized, and I've gotten into some things that weren't great for me, and I just feel like I need to be cleaned up again. Well, that's not what baptism does. And, and there's no need or really real warrant for them to get back into the waters. I don't ever want somebody to say, well, baptism is what saves me. Baptism is what cleanses me. Baptism is what renews me. No, no, Jesus does all of those things. In our church service this past week, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. And that is the repeated reminder of what truly cleanses us, the grace of God through Jesus Christ, whose body was broken and whose blood was shed for us. So if somebody's just saying, look, you know, I, I made a bad decision. I need to get baptized again. I'm going to say that's, that's nowhere taught in Scripture. We don't need to pursue that course of action um, because baptism is not some magical rite that washes away our sin. So based on what you've said, if someone feels that they should be baptized again or if someone feels that they need to be baptized for the first time, what should they do? They can contact us. They can call the church office at 270-842-0331. They can email us at connect at firstbaptistbg.org. Because ultimately, uh, I would love or one of our ministerial staff would love to just have a conversation and say, you know, the person who asked me this past week, do I need to be baptized again? Um, I was able to, to walk them through. Where are they? Where are you in your faith? They don't need to be baptized again. But what were they doing? They were expressing a desire to obey God. And listen, I think that that desire pleases God. So even if you ask the question and the answer is, no, that's not really a necessary thing, then what are you doing? Well, you're seeking to obey God, and in so doing, you're pleasing God. One of the things that is very important to me is I meet with every single person that gets baptized here just to try to ensure to the greatest degree possible that they know what they're doing, that they understand the gospel, they've come to Christ in repentance and faith, Jesus is the Lord and Savior of their life, and they understand what baptism is, that it is not what is saving them, 
but rather it is the first step of obedience in trusting and following Jesus. Jeff, thank you for leading us through this sermon series, and I've really appreciated working with you on this podcast for this sermon series. Um, This week is Thanksgiving. This will be dropping a little bit before Thanksgiving, so we want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, God bless you. And Jeff, if you could pray for us. I would love to. And Jordan, thanks for having the idea to do this. And Elliot, thanks for making this happen. This has been one of the most fun things that I've gotten to do in ministry. We're going to continue. We're not stopping. Um, But having come all the way through James, I'll tell you, your questions are so thoughtful. And I know that you're going to push me. And so that, uh, that helps me even as I'm preparing to preach the sermon and then preparing to come to this. So thanks for being a good brother. And uh, I'm looking forward to walking through the Advent with you as well. Absolutely. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we have so much for which to be thankful. Lord, you have given us life. You have given us love. You have given us Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, so that our sin might be forgiven and we might have everlasting life with you. And so, Lord, recognizing all of those things, recognizing that you are our creator and sustainer, we give you thanks. We give you thanks in all that we are, and we give you thanks in all that we do. We pray that you would be glorified in our Thanksgiving gatherings, and Lord, that truly we would be the sort of people who live out our faith in a way that honors you, and in a way that blesses others. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley.